Hello and welcome to the Perfectly Imperfect duo, Sari and Lily. Um, today we very much wanted to talk about the things that we used to do and say when we were really both quite anxious with a purpose to one because some of it like now makes us laugh and is quite fun to think about um, and two just to normalize things for people because I think one of the things when you feel anxious you feel overwhelmed you can often feel like nobody's as crazy as you in your head nobody does the things that you do and actually what you'll find is that they do and, and that both Lily and I probably did too so we just wanted to share that from a, a, a light-hearted perspective and um, yeah just to to normalize the things that we sometimes do when we feel really stressed and overwhelmed yeah I love it <laughs> so one of the things I think that we've touched upon before Lily or we'd mentioned before is is about telling lies uh, I think I wrote a blog on this once, actually. It just rings a bell. But I used to tell lies, not because I was a terrible person or I wanted to deceive anyone, but because I was truly embarrassed and ashamed of the idea that I could be anxious. And so I used to say that, make up reasons why I couldn't do things or go to places that were not true. I think in part, just to make it easier for myself, but also I think part of me still believed for a long time that this couldn't be anxiety and maybe there was there was something wrong with me so I might say things like um I've got a bug or um something else has come up or someone else is poorly or so this has just made me remember this isn't funny really but it kind of is my daughter telling me that a boy in her school um and I don't think this was to do with him being anxious but it just made me think a boy in her school told school that he hadn't done certain pieces of work because his uncle had died she then said he was sat there ringing his mom saying mom you have got to if uncle so and so if if they ask you about it, you've got to say he's dead i've told them he's died and she's like what would she mean you've told them he's died i just it just came out now now i never said people had died when they didn't i just want to put that out there <laughs> but um it definitely elaborated the truth or created realities that weren't true because it just felt easier than saying, do you know what? I'm feeling really anxious and I can't come. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, sometimes it was muddled. So there would be, I lied too. And sometimes it was like, I was having a panic attack. For me, it would be like an experience of derealization. I didn't know what that was. I just thought it was a panic attack, but I would say I'm having a really bad headache. I have a migraine. And so that was, I just had no idea. Like to some people, I would say I'm having a panic attack, but if we were at like a big family event with my husband's family, it was often like, I have a migraine and I would just go and like, be alone with, with my panic. But sometimes to your point, I would feel like I was slightly under the weather because I think some of the physical symptoms with anxiety can be like this mild flu-like feeling. So I would feel run down and then I would, it would just be kind of complicated because I would feel sick, but I would also be anxious about going, but I'd be like, do you, I would get in my head and be like, are you lying? because you're really not sick, but I'm like, but what if I am sick? And what if it gets worse? And mm -hmm. it was funny because it was a few years ago because I used to have such guilt about, because sometimes I would be in my head and I would be feeling anxious, but paired with the mild like flu and body aches and just my throat would hurt and I would not go. And then I would stay at home and I'd start to feel better. And so I'd be like, 
you are a liar. And a few years ago, I realized I had this feeling that every time I stayed home, that it was actually for the greater good. Like who cares if I was, what maybe, maybe I helped my anxiety not get to this point of an even worse point by just staying home. Mm-hmm. I just saw me staying home and saying I was sick when maybe it was just anxiety as, as beneficial. Like it kind of the, the judgment and the shame fell away. Um, I don't know, but I definitely relate to the lying. though that it's somehow so much more acceptable to say I've got a migraine than it is to say I'm anxious, so I'm staying home. Because ultimately the two things come, come from the same thing, which is overthinking, stress, overwhelm. It, it's kind of the same, but yet it's somehow feels easier or more accepting to say it's a migraine. When if somebody's yeah. getting repeated migraines, it's because they're missing love letters from their body and not paying attention to slow down or get present and so is anxiety and yet one is seen as way more acceptable than the other I know you know it's funny because once I had you know met you and came into the principles and I didn't really experience much anxiety but sometimes I when I this was I was dating I was newly you know single and I was just dating a lot and so I think sometimes we can have symptoms whether we're just kind of like fast and furious about things and so I had had this short phase I think that also I'm you know this is now four and a half years after it my understanding has deepened but I was I would get nauseous on the dates which I think probably was a love letter that was like chill out but um so when I met my boyfriend and I had understood it when it first happened, I really did think like, oh, maybe I would throw up and I would have to like leave the date early. But then I got on to myself and I knew this was just a thought and then this feeling and I wasn't going to throw up. But when I met him, um, he's like, oh, you're not, you're not drinking your drink. And I was like, and I said, you know what? Um, I feel nauseous, like, or I guess it's, I feel nauseated. Um, I'm not sick though. It's just a little bit of anxiety. And, 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 cause I didn't, it wasn't a big deal. It was like, and so it was so funny because before, yeah, I would have never said that. And I, that was just the truth, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't living in that place where I was like, oh, I'm an anxious person. This is shame. It was like, oh, this was just this thing that popped up. So I said, Hey, would you, do you want to go on a walk rather? And so we just walked because, and then, and then actually I ended up, I really liked him. So we ended our walk. It was sort of a tangent, but, um, I was like, oh, what are you doing now? Because we'd done this walk. He's like, I think I'm going to go in and eat. Because we hadn't eaten because I was like nauseous, nauseated. And I said, do you want company? And he's like, yeah. And my brain was screaming because until that point, I'd never gone back in. Like once I would get, you know, this fear of throwing up, I just wouldn't. And I just was like, and so, but I just owned it. I didn't have it. So I went in, I didn't drink or I didn't eat anything, but I knew it. And so I'd have the thoughts and they would come and go. And, but I think you're so right, because I think when we, it's such a big experience, I think there's so much, so much shame and we don't, we don't realize how actually common it is or how many people understand. And if you actually say, oh, I'm feeling a little anxious. Sometimes you say it just falls. It it, it doesn't, it doesn't grow in its size. And it, I, I, I once actually forged a doctor's note, um, which again, you know, it's probably illegal, I'm assuming. But anyway, I'll take the risk. It was a long time ago. And state of limitations. <laughs> yeah, I'd had a really um bad chest infection years ago. 
And then after the chest infection, what would often happen when I didn't understand anxiety is I would have then, I was overthinking the fact that I was unwell and then obviously my world would shrink because I'd be in bed, not well. And then I'd start to feel, you know, the anxious thoughts would pop in. And so then I ended up having to stay off longer from work from the chest infection because I was anxious and I had to get a note in order to continue to be off work. And I can't remember the exact way around it was, but the doctor had put something that like that I was basically signed off because of anxiety. And I added some words on like induced from chest infection or something to soften how it looked. And when I look back now, I think it's quite sad, really, because you know, I was so embarrassed, but again, it's no different to being off with a chest infection or anxiety. It's like, it was all part and parcel of the same thing. It was being run down. It was being, you know, overstimulated. It was, it was not being present. It, whatever it looked like, whatever the words were that explained it didn't really matter. It was the same thing. And yet I was so, so embarrassed to just go in and say, you know, I'm anxious. Yeah. I know. I think when we're there, we feel so vulnerable and we can feel like, so we, or I, I know for me and, and a lot of people that I work with, we think about ourselves so much because we're trying to like fix ourselves. But, um, you know, and I think once we kind of come to the other side and especially with you and I, where we talk with like thousands of people, we, I just have this so much more compassion for myself and understanding and just like perspective, I think, where it seems so just, you said, oh, this is this human experience, you know? Um, but I think when you don't know that it can feel like just, um, shameful. And I think it also felt like, ah, just dangerous. Like I didn't want people to know. I didn't want to have a conversation with them. Like felt too vulnerable. Um, yeah. you know, or just like, I think also I was resisting feeling anxious. So to say I'm anxious, like, no, no, no. You know, cause I can think of a meeting one time um, because for me, it really was paired often with the symptoms. So it was this meeting, obviously I was anxious. I was getting overwhelmed, but I was getting nauseous, um, nauseated um, and fearing like I could throw up, you know, but I know obviously it was a stress response, but having to say to the meeting, like I, and I had an intern at this time, you know, and I left. So I really was like, did feel like I could throw up. Um, but I, um, so my intern luckily could go and kind of take over for me in the meeting. Um, but you know, it, it was interesting to pair that with how, when I said it to my boyfriend, it was like, it wasn't a big deal. I could say, oh, I'm a little anxious because there was no resistance. There was just, there was understanding. So I think there's like experiencing the physical symptom with an understanding and experiencing it without, and I didn't have it, but it was later that my, one of my coworkers is like, oh, our boss thinks you're pregnant because I did have this oh. phase of being like, oh, I'm nauseous. And I would have to leave or, you oh, know, okay. and, um, and it was really, <laughs> she said, are you pregnant? No, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true actually people do ask because it's yeah it's very similar symptoms <laughs> yes and I had to run out I was like oh I'm sorry I have to go <laughs> yeah and it's like that instant feeling as well well there's um there's another when people ask the question you know people say oh, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you well for many years one of the one of the stories that I would tell as most embarrassing when I look now was due to overthinking and anxiousness because what it translated into me often was being um which seems alien to me now but it was being a massive people pleaser to the point where 
I would trust that other people always knew better than me to an extent. I would almost trust too much too easily. I wouldn't question things because it was like, who am I to question? I'm anxious. And it was when I first went to get my ears pierced. So I went to this nice uh, beauty salon and it was, I'll never forget. I was like really excited to go get my ears pierced. I was literally like 18. I'd not had them done before then. And so I went into this really, really busy beauty salon, had the appointment, went into the room and she said to me, okay, take your trousers off and lie on the bed. So I'm just like, okay. So I took my trousers off and I lay on the bed. Now I remember at the time my rationale was maybe she thinks my shoes are dirty or she doesn't want me to dirty the bed and she needs to do it while I'm laid down. So she's telling me to take my trousers off. And the fact that literally she was telling me to take my trousers off and I didn't even question it. She's quite a worry. So I took my trousers off and I lay on this bed and then she turns around to me a couple of minutes later with this big spatula of wax and says, right, we're doing the whole leg or half of the leg. I was like, no, 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 I'm having my ears pierced. And this is where I felt the most embarrassment. She started laughing her head off. I was like, why did you take your trousers off if you were having your ears pierced? Why would you think I'd want you to take your trousers off? She found it hilarious. She went out into the massive busy waiting room and went, you won't believe what's just happened and told everybody, which she shouldn't have done. So I'm then laying there feeling like a complete idiot that I took my trousers off. But when I look back now, it, you know, if someone said to me, take your trousers off, the first thing I'd do is say, oh, why do you need me to take my trousers off? But yeah. because I was anxious and seemed overtly confident to most people, but inside someone telling me to do that would have made, well, well, they know better. So I do it. Yeah, and it really, you know, it was so embarrassing, but at the same time, you know, I didn't come to any harm and still got my ears pierced, but you know, I think there's probably lots of people out there that do do things or go along with things that just doesn't feel right. And yet Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I can't trust myself because I'm anxious. Yes. Yeah. I definitely, I don't know what the word is, but like zaps people's confidence and their trust, you know? And that's why I think some people get a lot of people I know same for you come experiencing health anxiety and they're worried. Sometimes they think I need this anxiety because maybe I'll stay on top of things. And like, what if I miss things with my health? And actually the opposite is because, you know, for me, I think one, we have these physical symptoms with anxiety that can make it confusing. Is it a health thing? But then we can distrust ourselves. Like when I had, I have diabetes and, um, my brother has type one diabetes. So does my dad and I now, but so I knew about it. And also I had gestational diabetes with my son, but so, um, right before I was diagnosed about six years ago, I started to, to not feel good. You know, actually it had progressed, but I ignored it for so long because I was like, I'm an anxious, like, you know, which I would never dismiss now, but I felt so ill but I had also been recovering from a flu, but I was so used to being like mean to myself and being like, you just, you know, cause I remember actually my daughter's birthday and we planned this whole thing where actually we had to, um, remember that there's a show like chopped and they do all these rounds. So, but my sister and I were like the tasters and I'm sure my blood sugar was like 600 or like, I mean, just horrible. And I would have to lie on the couch feeling incredibly ill, but I was like, look at you 
you, you, you know, you just, I just had all this talk. So then I actually started, my vision was impacted. So I started to really like almost not be able, everything was blurry. And then this one weekend I thought, oh my God, I think I have diabetes. And so, but I had gone to like get a tester and I couldn't find the pair and whatever, like the tester with the strip. So then my father, my children came home. This was when we were married and the kids had gone to sleep. And I said, I think I have diabetes and there's no hate to him because I had had health anxiety for a long time. And this was the, sadly for him, the one time he was not very nice. He's like, you don't have effing diabetes. You think you have everything. And he just went off on me. And so I was like, you're right. I don't. So I just pushed it aside and I went to work that Monday and, um, my coworker, my boss and like one of the other, they were like, are you okay? And I was like, you know what? I think I have diabetes, but like, I always just think I have everything. So I'm sure, um, you know, just blah, blah, blah. And they were like, go, go to the doctor. And I had had, I had really just never even considered it. I kept pushing it away and being like, until they were like, go to the doctor now, like make an appointment right now. And I needed them or at that time, I, that, that felt like I needed them to give me permission. And I went to the doctor and I was even apologizing to him. You know, they, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm here. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I just, you know, I, I, I know it's not diabetes. I know it's not diabetes, you know, like, and then, you know, and I didn't eat, and I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but I didn't eat for like five hours. Cause I was like, Oh, I want to get my blood sugar was so high. You know, when he called me, he's like, I don't know how you walked in here. I don't know how you're not in the ER. He said, people with your blood sugar, they're hospitalized. And I think it was, um, and I was like, Oh my God. And I don't mean to say that to scare people, but like, I would never distrust myself, you know? So we are so much better. We catch things earlier. We have the confidence. You're going to take the best care of yourself when you're free from health anxiety. Like there's no anxiety needed to take great care of yourself. But also I'm fine six years. Yeah. And you make a really good point in that we, there's a line, isn't there, between when we feel anxious and we can diagnose ourselves with everything, but it really sounded like there was lots of times, sorry, excuse me sorry unedited podcast I have to leave that sneeze in there um where your wisdom was telling you this isn't right this isn't right but again because you distrusted yourself um you didn't go and and actually it's important that we even if it means we do get checked out occasionally when we don't need to be like I'd rather that than people just completely ignore a persistent you know, things like your vision not being right. And, you know, clearly the body's telling us something, isn't it? Yes. I always tell my clients, I'm like, get it checked out. Because also once you start to really understand how everything works, you're less likely, you know, but I, it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What should we say? What other funny things we did? Um, yeah, so I'll just try Well, have you, have you got anything that you can remember? Um, I mean, some of it's funny and sad, you know, I mean, it's kind I'm of all funny and sad in a way, isn't it? 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 Because it's like, funny yeah. to do it, but on some level it's sad because like, for me, it feels like an air of us not respecting ourselves or trusting ourselves or, or there's a lack of compassion there at some stage. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm trying to think of like, what's a mix of funny and sad, um, 
Well, because I mean, I, you know, I used to Google a lot um, and then really imagine that I would would have those things. And I think, you know, I was always looking. So I guess that could be paired, but, but I guess maybe something funny too, because, you know, to your point, it was like, is it anxiety? I was always like um, trying so many things and some would be like elimination diets, you know? And so I had headaches were a physical symptom that I had, but I was often like thinking fearful of them that they could be a brain tumor or a brain aneurysm. And so I was just always like obsessing about what to do. And so one time I tried an anti-headache diet that it was like the headache diet, you know, and you couldn't eat chocolate. I've never heard that before, the headache Don't do it. Uh, The real headache, the real cure is I never have headaches now, um, you know, to be in in a good state of mind. Like I literally... I don't know. I mean, maybe if I've had like three glasses of wine, I might have a headache the next day. But outside of that, I mean, I, you know, months and months or like a whole years go by, I don't have headaches, but I used to have them all the time because of the chronic state of stress I was in. So I was like, I'm doing this diet. And two of the things you couldn't eat were chocolate and cheese, which are like my favorite things. So I eat chocolate and cheese every day, but I had gone on this long time. And then I don't know if it changed my headaches because I was still stressed. So it didn't do anything. So, but then I had decided enough was enough. And I had, I had a late work meeting and I went to Trader Joe's and I got all this cheese that I was bringing home, but then I was stuck in traffic and I ate like, I was like cheese because I had missed it. And I ate so much cheese because, and I ate like, it was this little thing of like a flight of cheese. I ate it all. I ate all the brie. I ate so much cheese. And then I got home and I was like, honestly felt like I was having a heart attack or something. I don't know if it was like cheese overload. So I, then I Googled like heart attack from cheese, (laughs) but I would just often get myself in those mess of being like, I'm going to do a parasite cleanse because I'm sure this is parasites. And I would see somebody. So I would do like take, um, which is just insane. Like I would take pills for parasites and I'm sure I have SIBO and I would do, you know, cause it was confusing to me with the, the physical symptoms. And I would find myself Googling and down these rabbit holes of eliminating and supplements. And then, um, like, oh my, you know, sometimes being like, oh, it must be because there's this imbalance in here and I'm going to take the pH of my urine. And I would like pee and I would be like, I don't know how I would find myself in these crazy groups with this stuff. So I'd be taking this like beet supplements and beta supplements and check my temperature and my pee to like, if I perfectly balance everything. Oh my goodness, Lily, that's such hard. I thought you for a minute, you were going to say you used to drink your pee. I was like, waiting for it going, no, 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 (laughs) no drinking the pee. Just like there was a certain goal of the pH that you wanted to get. Which I don't know, but it, it all seemed related, you know, to like, well, maybe my stomach pain and my headaches and, and the anxiety. Cause I, for a long time, I thought if I eat perfectly, like, you know, quote unquote, perfectly and eat how we did as like early humans, you know, where if I'm eating like just liver and raw eggs at, or like raw, whatever, raw milk. And, and I didn't eat raw eggs but like trying to have like eat perfectly pure. And, um, I didn't, I made my own cleaning products, my own beauty products. I made my own toothpaste. Like I, um, and so I would think, you know, I, and I, I ate everything that I, I homemade myself. Um, there's a lot of people out there with the perfect diets, eating the perfect thing and, and, perfectly fit and healthy you know that would pass every test of like health and still highly anxious that was me and I was not in perfect health because then I lost my period for three years (laughs) yeah so that's Uh exactly so that's the and and you know for me there's like um 
there's like a a, a lesson in this as, as we're talking i'm realizing something came to mind that the lesson in all of for this is is about joy and is about happiness and fun and when we are so hell-bent on fixing ourselves and perfection and all of that i would imagine when you were doing all of that stuff lily that there wasn't much time for just downtime and fun like i'd imagine downtime you're making your own products you're doing this diet you're checking your ph levels like i can't imagine there was time for presence and fun no but you know what until i came to the principles i really didn't i you know i'd gotten down such a rabbit hole i didn't know you could just like have fun and take good care of yourself and your family you know i had no idea that worry wasn't necessary, um, you know, and so many things and that I wasn't broken, but you know, I'm in, in great health now physically and mentally. And I ate pizza hut for dinner last night. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, it's like pizza hut and a glass of wine and it was great. And I eat just like instant oatmeal. And, and I mean, I, I eat a variety of food, but it has nothing to do. I don't see food and all of that as, you know, cause also then effortlessly it's a balanced, balanced diet. And enjoying it and being in the moment. And, and that is, you know, it's like we take for granted that, okay. So you could say, right. Pizza isn't good for you. Okay. What people can argue that that's fine. But having pizza and connecting and having fun with someone, for me, I would say the connection and the fun and the presence overrides any of the negativity in the pizza because that's the balance that we're looking for is the mental and the physical balance and if you are so fixated on only perfectly putting in your body what you think is perfect that comes with a lot of mental overstimulation mental stress and pressure yes yes well and I think you know Dr Pettit who is both of our friend and colleague, you know, he said to me like early in my business too, if I haven't had a hearty laugh by noon, that lets me know I'm taking my life way too seriously. And that really changed my life. And I know we were chatting a little before we started recording. It's like, sometimes when my business ramps up, I still need that reminder because, and I have my first mentee, you know, and she, um, is just my unofficial, well, official, but not like in a program, but and she started to see that for herself. She actually gets the principles, I think, deeper than I did. And so she's in the three principles, um, like an apprentice. And she said, I think I got obsessed. And she had to say, did you ever say, because she was like, oh, I'm not attending this call. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, you have to take care of yourself first and just have fun. Because then we're not of service to anybody, our family, or if we are in a helping profession, um, it can be too much of a good thing, even whether it's like, oh, the principles are great. And I love learning, you know, and I say that to, to people that work with me too. It's like, you know, we don't want to be obsessed about anything, even if it's like, oh, I love this there. We want, we want to be light about things, you know? And so when I think I haven't had a hearty laugh by noon, that's why it's like, I felt irritable yesterday. This was a tangent, but I knew I'm like, oh my God, the irritability. I truly see it as a love letter. Cause I'm not irritable. I'm not, you know? And so when I see it, I'm like, oh, I need some lightness, some laughter, um, some just like. Yeah, exactly. And and linking it back to when we were talking about health anxiety earlier, if people are like, well, how, I, I, how do I know if it's something bad or if it's not, or if it, 
Well, actually, one of the ways I certainly can tell whether my health is something that needs checking out or not is if I start to feel, I mean, obviously, if it's not, if it's an emergency or something acute, but if I don't feel right and it's there and it's lingering, I actually make it my tonic to make sure I go and get present or have something in my life that brings me joy or laughter or lightheartedness, because usually that is a great indicator because often it'll either completely fall away and disappear or it'll lessen quite a lot. And that gives me a really good indication of if something is serious or not. Mm -hmm. I do something very similar too. Cause for me, I know if I ever have something, the best way that I know how is to not focus on it. You know, it's just, is because if I focus on it, then I get confused. So if I just, and it's not like I'm like gaslighting myself or ignoring it. I'm like, Oh, I just, I just put my focus. I just let it be there. And, and, you know, every single time it actually has fallen away, you know, and the other times it's like, Oh yeah, I have COVID, you know, or, Oh, I'm sick. Like yeah. it's, yeah. it's, but those actually times it doesn't cause me, but sometimes if it's just a random symptom and I'm like, why, you know, like, but it's because our wisdom loves us and it's going to give us that signal and we're not going to get confused if we try to focus our, our intellect on it. So I love your point. If like, we're having fun, we're getting engaged, it falls away and we're like, oh, it's, you know, cause it will be there. Like if it's something, you know, like you actually are run down or have the flu or something, your throat hurts. Go away just because you've laughed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it, it's like, it, it, it's such a simpler way um, to take care of ourselves. It's like, imagine if you went to the doctors and the first line of defense for any illness was to for laughter for a day. How many people would go back the next day saying they needed more investigation? I know, you know, actually there's this book I love. Um, it's called Flying Without Wings by Arnold Besser. And he was a quadriplegic and he became um, a psychiatrist, but he said, he has this thing on laughter. He said, it's like laughter is from the gods. It's so good. It's like, I should, but cause he said, so he was a, um, you know, in a wheelchair, he was a quadriplegic, but at one point he was like in San Francisco, I think, and the brakes just went off. So he, I don't know what happened. He was up at the hill. So he just went flying down the hill and oh. he said, it he just said, it felt like I was skiing. <laughs> so he just laughed and like, and so, but in this, he said, oh my God, I, I want, want to see if I can find that quote, maybe as we're chatting, because it's, it's just like to read his book, because he did have, you know, for whatever you could say, like a health, you know, I mean, he had a, a chronic health condition. I don't even know if it's, um, um, okay. So can I read this little bit of my annoying um, okay. He said, laughter is something from the gods and it sets us, sets us on an Olympian plane where we are no longer victims of mean circumstances. We become integrated into some larger perspective. It is a perspective that nurtures us back to health for a moment and restor restores aspects of ourselves, which we thought we had lost forever. Humor and laughter are so commonplace that people tend to dismiss their full significance when I could recognize something funny in what a moment before had seemed a hopelessly grim situation, a wonderful transformation occurred. It was as though I had been suddenly healed and restored to health, even if only for a moment and even if only in my mind. I still find relief and my self of being is restored whenever I can laugh or find something to smile about with humor. Not only do I feel more whole inside and not only do I feel closer to those about me, 
but I also feel a quality of elation, raising the realm of consciousness to a space that is larger than before. Brilliant. It, when you read in that, it made me remind, so, transported me into, um, this is going to sound really morbid, but it's not supposed to, of um, when my dad was dying and he was confined to his bed in the end with cancer. And there were moments in that last weeks of his life where we laughed and like so stupid, stupid, like, childish basic things that you that you wouldn't find funny if I told you now but just things like you know we'd be in serious conversation about you know we'd ask him you know are you scared what do you think is going to happen and all of that and then my dad's sort of sense of humor was he he just start he'd start started singing case or sarah whatever will be will be and we were all singing it and then my mum comes in like what on earth are you lot up to like me and my siblings and we're just singing and laughing and and so even in grief, even in that where he knew his health was never going to get better, he was, that was it. There were still moments of warmth and joy and laughter, which made for more connection and yes. for more peace of mind for everybody involved. And so there isn't, you know, as he's saying with, you know, like you say, he's in that guy who's written that book was in extreme circumstances compared to most of us in terms of his health. But in anything, even in death, we can find peace of mind and moments where it's still okay to laugh and to be light and to connect on that level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know for me, when I don't find something funny, it's a good friendly alarm for me that I'm taking everything too seriously. And I'm not saying that people can't be that anxiety doesn't impact you or wherever somebody is, but, I, but, but, but I just see that as a love. Like if I start to, you know, cause my boyfriend sometimes wants to be joking. Sometimes I'm like, it's serious. Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh my God, what a great reminder. You know, like um, it does feel like an invitation. It doesn't feel invalidating it. Cause I've seen how, you know, when you're laughing about something or you can just recognize that like, it's all okay. You know, wherever we are, it's all, you know, whether it's business or health or death and, and family, like, um, and not that we have to force it. Cause that sounded very natural and kind of what, um, and to me also when we're lighter, that's when we get good ideas, you know, it's not when we're kind of bogged down trying to figure it out, but that's, I also think if there is something to see about our health or anything, we see it in that state of mind. I'll have to share with, with my husband, Matt, what you've said about that. Cause, cause, um, he spends probably 85% of his time acting like a complete child. Um, which as you've said is sometimes, I find it endearing and I'm like, oh, he's such a fun dad and, you know, it's so great for the baby. And then there's other times where I'm just like, he's so fucking irresponsible and he's just like a child and he needs to stop. And it, but you're right. And that is, that's, that is, says way much more about my state of mind in that moment than his. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like nearly bedtime. He's going, saying to the one, to the baby, let's do cheerleading. And he's holding her up on one hand and she's laughing her head off and then she wants to do it again. And I'm like, it's bedtime. But then at the same time, I'm like, you know what? She'll fall asleep easily or she won't. And it's not always about what we've done before. Yes. Yeah. I know. I think I see it's, it's, 
I wouldn't have thought that, but I'm truly grateful for feeling irritated, you know, um, because it's not my norm and it used to, and I'm like, Oh, you know, I just see it as I don't, I don't have judgment on myself, but I know I'm just taking life too seriously, you know? Um, and I think that, you know, that's a, a great way for us to to end here is to, to say to people to reflect on how seriously right now they're taking their life, no matter what's happening outside of you, no matter what things you're challenged with or faced with. And this isn't to discount your experience. We know that people are faced and, and we have been as well at some stages in our life faced with such difficult, challenging times those people are no exception in that we can all no matter what consider where is the lightheartedness and the joy in our lives right now because there's always room and space for it and if and if we find that and we we allow that then everything else feels much easier to deal with anyway it really does i love that I love that. And I hope that this maybe brought you a little bit of, well, you know, I think your intention at the beginning or our intention at the beginning to feel less alone. Cause when we don't take things personally, it's easier to find the humor in it too, because sometimes, and that's just also when I know it's like, I can just get onto myself and get over myself. And when I first heard that concept of getting over yourself, I was like, huh? but now I I'm like, Oh, I, I just love it. I think getting over myself is, is extremely helpful because it doesn't, it's it's very loving getting over myself is the most loving thing yeah for me to and if anybody tells you to take your trousers off do not be afraid to question why <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks everybody, Thank you, everybody. <laughs>